Today on Breaking the Box, we're going to be discussing part two of what it's like to be a preacher's kid. Some of the same questions, maybe some new ones, and we may reveal some secret identities. We're not sure about that yet, but we'll talk about it soon on today's episode of Breaking the Box. This is Breaking the Box, and we have a special guest today on our podcast. It's been a first time this year, right? We had a special guest? Yeah, this is our second only ever special guest. You're not supposed to say that part. Everybody, oh no, unless you count Julian, then that's Yeah, okay, so first special guest this year. Yes. Uh, This young lady has a lot of uh, things that are unique about her. She's a piano player, singer, Hope Corps student. Uh, her father is a home missionary in the state of Idaho, who was also helped uh, in various missions around the world. Uh, and we are wel- welcoming Tamara Lopez. Yay! <laughs> Why'd you say like that? Thanks for being here say. today. Tamara is officially an adult, but she's still a As preacher's kid, <laughs> still lives at home, still a preacher's kid. So we're going to talk about some uh preacher's kids perspective it's been a couple years since Mm -hmm. our preacher kid episode so you'll have different perspectives even so maybe we'll have both of you answer the questions well last time that's kind of what we did except Mm -hmm. that was like my fourth time going out with you preaching or something like that so i was like i don't know anything yeah we were pretty fresh on the field i think so so you guys hadn't been out much you didn't really understand what it was like to be a preacher's kid Okay, well, let's let's get right into it. Why don't we just ask a few tough questions and we'll let you just kind of answer it however you feel, okay. okay? The first question is this. If you could pinpoint one thing that's the hardest thing about being a preacher's kid, what would that be? Definitely finding solid friends who are honest and trustworthy and who support the vision yeah, that's of the kingdom. One for sure. So what, what makes it hard to find good friends as a preacher's kid? Because not using you for clout, but there is some people that just want to be friends with you because your dad's a preacher or whatever. And then there's some people that they seem like they'd be good friends and then you get to know them and they're like kind of, they're not going to help you grow in God. They're just, they kind of, you know, just do whatever they're, they live by, um, what is it? Like when you're not living by the line or the thread, but like. You know what I'm saying? Like, they do the bare minimum, basically, to stay oh, in I church. See. Like, they don't do... They live on the fence, essentially. Yes. That's so what I'm trying to say. helping your growth. You're, they're not helping you grow or do anything. They can't support you. They don't understand half of what you're going through because... Especially if they're not a preacher, another preacher's kid, there's things that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so, I would like, say, from coming from a pastor's kid and being friends with saints who have their parents aren't even in the ministry. I feel like our home lives are very different, very, very different. So our opinions mm-hmm. and what we view or what worldviews we have come from our home life. And if our home lives are different because of the type of lifestyles our parents live, I mean, you're more than likely not to agree with one another or 
mm-hmm. and help then, each other grow as much as you could. Yeah, and then at the same time, it's like they're viewing the pastor, the evangelist, or whatever. But that's not only are we viewing them as the pastor, evangelist, preacher, whatever. But that's also our dad or what our brother, whatever it is, maybe you know, however you're connected to the ministry. So ministries, families, different than somebody who's not. Because I think I remember the last episode, if I remember correctly, one of the answers I really liked that was something difficult about being a preacher's kid and was it was not being fully understood. Do you guys feel like that's still kind of a thing or was it younger? You just felt like you weren't understood. Personally, I feel like that would be my younger perspective. I'd say age, I would say 13 to 16, possibly 17, where I was always looking for affirmation and understanding but I feel like now as a young adult I don't seek affirmation I only seek affirmation from the people I trust which is my pastor my pastor's wife or you know people that are close to me but not so breaking the box hosts people like that my bad (laughs) (laughs) no but like not necessarily like we're not understood but I still feel like there is pressure that people put pressure. on pressure. That was the other one. I was yes. trying to think of it. There, there like undue is pressure on expectations. On yeah. kids that they, like, it feels almost shameful to, like, be yourself almost in certain aspects. Uh, they I expect perfection out of yes. preacher's kids. Yeah. I feel like that a, young, a lot of PKs feel like they walk on eggshells around everybody. I mean, if that's the right term to use. In the sense of because we I've, don't want to do something that might offend somebody else, you know. Whatever. I don't even think it's that. I just feel like the fact of you know you're being watched because you know that your parents are leaders, and your family is thought of as a leader. And I mean, when you look up to somebody who's a leader and they do something that you don't agree with, I mean, it it looks pretty bad. Well, see, and being an evangelist kid is different in that aspect where I don't want to offend somebody to the point so much that I don't want to have my dad come back, you know, or whatever. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> Which has happened at least a half dozen it times. Does, no, I'm just kidding. Not. Just kidding. <laughs> so um, what would you say? Let's let's go back to these two. Okay. So the whole having to feel like you're perfect or not having quality friends. So what, what makes a quality friendship? Obviously, we talked about um, that your friends need to um, help you grow. That's one aspect, mm-hmm. right? You want somebody that's going to help you grow. Um, and somebody that understands what you're going through as a preacher's kid, maybe, or maybe they don't understand fully, but they can at least understand that you experience things that are different and they're, they're sympathetic to that. What else though? What else makes it good friendships? If you, you know, if you're having a hard time finding good friends, what are you looking for? Um, sincerity is a big one, obviously. In what aspect? In every, just being a friend to somebody because you don't want somebody that's just going to be like over any little thing you say you're struggling with you can't pray right now or whatever and then somebody might say well you need to you know you need to pray through and then leaves that's that's not being very sincere so sincerity in that they're not just friends in front of everybody else but yeah. they're friends when nobody else is around yes. what about you um what restate your question oh um the question was what makes a good friend what are you looking for obviously somebody that supports you somebody that um, um, is sincere, somebody that can help you grow. Those are some things we've touched. What else? What are you looking for when you say, I can't find uh, a good friend as a preacher's kid? What is it? What is it that makes a good friend? Well, can you find one? I will 
insert, maybe not so much so directed towards this, but that a preacher had once told me that he calls it the five rule of friends. And it is you find one person that is below you in your spiritual walk that you Mm -hmm. can help them. You find one person that is on the same level as you, right? Mm -hmm. That you guys can help each other. You find two people who are essential leaders in your life that you may not know them personally, but you know of them and you look up to them. You look at their walks of life and you see them so that you can grow from them. And then that last one is anybody, somebody you can get a Bible study with possibly, or just, just any friend, you know, maybe that's a school friend or whatnot, or just maybe just somebody from church that you just enjoy fellowshipping with. Um, And that way with the rule of five with friends that you can consistently keep yourself growing in every aspect of it. So it's not so much so that you're, you know, hanging out with people that may not be in church or may not have the Holy Ghost. It's more of the fact that you're helping them grow. And in you helping them grow, you are also helping yourself grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then with the two or with the individual that may be on the same level as you, like um, that goes for having possibly an accountability partner. If you struggle with the same things, I think as a young person or a young adult, we all struggle with very similar things and it's not talked about. And possibly having an accountability partner is something that is, you know, can help you grow and help your other pal grow. That is a really good point. Accountability is huge, needs to be done. It's the same problem in ministry, though. We have a hard time finding good friends. And it's not that people can't be good friends. It's that, you know, there are some men that are so, they're such good men, but they already have a hundred good friends with them because they're well known. It's hard to add another person and be able to give and pour out of yourself into yet another person when you already have a full group of a church that you're maybe pastoring or things that you're already involved in and then all the friends that you've accumulated over a long period of time. But that accountability factor is huge. When you find somebody that you feel you can be accountable to, that friendship grows a lot further than another one because there's almost an intimate aspect, at least on the emotional spectrum. An intimacy between friends and not I'm not talking about sexual or physical intimacy, just you know them in a way that most people don't. That's mm-hmm. kind of what intimate. Yeah. I, I definitely mean. feel like it's very important. I would say even for myself, I have a couple of very close friends that I'm close to in the sense of I'm accountable to them and they're accountable to me. We struggle with very, very similar things, maybe not on the same level, but it's still the same thing we struggle with and we keep each other accountable. I mean, if I see them taking actions that I don't believe are right in front of the eyes of God, I'm not going to be the friend that says, hey, that's okay. You go and do that. Yeah. I would be the friend to say, hey, you know what? Let's let's work this through together. Let's mm-hmm. go pray at the church together. Let, let's figure it out. Let's not both be held to sin when we're supposed to be each other's accountability partner. The other side of that, though, is it can be easy for two people who are struggling with the same thing to say, hey, I messed up and you messed up. Let's not tell anybody else. Yes. So you do. It is good to have a third person in the group or another person that keeps you accountable that doesn't struggle with the same thing, but maybe struggles with different things. Right. Um, And you guys can keep each other accountable. Um, Good. Those are all good. All really, really good. Now, tell me what. Let's go to the flip side now. We're going to talk about. What is the other side of um, the coin? You already talked about what is the most difficult thing as a preacher's kid. What is some of the benefits? What's the greatest thing about being a preacher's kid that you really, something that you're like, you know what? I wouldn't trade this for the world. Um, I'd say one of the biggest blessings to being a preacher's kid or a pastor's kid is that you get to see most of the time. I mean, not all the time, but you get to see the, the growth after putting in all the work or you get to see the 
the seed finally blossom after all the time of labor or after all the struggle, even if it is the seed your parents have planted, you as a kid or as a young adult, you finally get to see the the hand of God and you get to see the growth from it and it makes it all worth it. The reaping from the sun. Yes. You, maybe it's your school friend that you witness to here and then, you know, and maybe they finally come in for a youth service and they receive the Holy Ghost and, you know, that makes it, that makes all the difference and pushes you forward. Mm-hmm. What about you? I didn't hear your question. Sorry. The question was, what are the good sides? What's the best thing about being a preacher's kid? Something that oh, you really look at. What are the good sides? Just um, kind of a reiteration of what she said, being able to see your impact in other people's lives. And of course, it's not your like doing because God, you know, does everything. But being able to know that you help somebody get a little bit closer, or maybe you you were just a friend to somebody and that helped them a lot or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And then being able to know that you feel like your ministry is working because it's not just the preachers that have the ministry, it's their families, like whether they pray for other people Deeply or fellowship or whatever. Yeah. You see that it like, not that it pays off, but it's like, it feels worth it because you're doing all this work and then you don't see any of the results. And then months later you come back and those people are saying, you know, your dad's message really helped me. And then that one time he prayed with me and blah, 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 you know, whatever. And it's just cool to be able to see different people and to be able to go back to some of the same churches and see those same people there and new people is just really like a good blessing. What about uh, from a preacher's kid perspective? We'll take turns. Each of you give an answer to this. Um, if when somebody tells me that they're going to get into ministry, whether it's, evangelizing, pastoring, whatever, uh, there are a few things that I give them as advice, uh, things that I say, hey, um, here's some things to keep in mind. Um, You got a kid whose dad's about to be a pastor for the first time or an evangelist, and they're talking to you like, is there anything I should know about, you know, being a preacher's kid, or maybe they're nervous? What kind of advice would you give to a preacher's kid? Why don't Um, we start with you, Mel? Okay. Um, To not be discouraged if you feel like you're doing more work than other people give back to you. Cause that was a big thing for me. I would feel like even in like friendships and stuff, I felt like I was doing all the work, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was doing all the praying. I was doing all the fasting and it seemed like everybody around me wasn't doing any work. And it just, it can be easy to get discouraged when you feel like you're giving everything and nobody's giving anything back. Mm. But then in the end, it, you know, now looking back, I realized that all my work was, you know, it's work. It's worth it. And it's like profitable. And now I have friends that will fast with me and, you know, whatever. So, yeah. And waiting is a big thing too. Well, ministry, it's when coming into ministry, not being, I guess, born or raised into ministry, it's a very slippery slope in my personal opinion. Um, I would say to not let people's problems, circumstances, situations in life make you hard and resentful to stay soft and be willing to be hurt and let God, you know, let you be willing for God to break you. Vulnerability. Yes, vulnerability. Do not get cold. Do not shut yourself down, shut your mind down, shut your emotions down to people in the church or people that you're ministering to because God can't use you. Mm -hmm. And I tell that to a lot of kids where, you know, they're going into ministry or even just young friends of mine that are getting married and they're going into ministry and they don't don't know what it's like. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get hurt. It's easy to get offended. But 
the more you stay soft, the more you learn to forgive, the quicker, you know, and the better that your relationship with God will skyrocket. The revival will happen if you allow God to use you. And the only way he can use you is if you're soft. Also, don't neglect yourself either. Because I know there's like this big push, like we got to win everybody, right? But you can't win the whole world and lose your own soul. Because so don't neglect your own yes, self don't, care. You have to term, make sure spiritual you're, you're praying and fasting and doing all the things you know to do right before you're trying to get other people to do it. Because if you're not praying, if you're not reading your Bible and you're trying to push on, you know, let me see, I'm trying to get her to do it. And I'm like, go. you need to pray, you need to do that. And then I'm trying to encourage her every day. And then she doesn't ever see me doing it. That's not going to work. So yeah. it's just not just because for yourself, but also the example. Yes, yes. both of those. So, yeah. <clears throat> go ahead. I'd like to add that a lot of times we may even in ministry or just people in general, that we may say we have forgiven somebody or we have forgotten about a situation. But in reality, it's, it's it still leaves a hole in our heart. Um, and I just I feel like the th- the the throws and the stones that people throw at us of like hatred and jealousy and all that, you know, take that all and build a prayer memorial. Build those up and build those as memorial prayers yeah. for those people. Don't take the stone and throw it back. You know, yeah. just because they throw hot coal at you, you don't hold the coal in your hand. It's gonna burn you, right? Yeah. Instead fix the situation or just turn it out so that God can turn it for good. Don't let it affect you. And it's, we're human. So everything's going to affect us, but don't let the, don't let it become an infection in your life. Me and her were just talking about this the other day, actually. That, um, doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> um, that sometimes people feel like they've released things to God, like, Oh God, you can have it. But then when he tries to take all of it, they're like, Oh no, let me keep this piece. I might need it later. Sure. Yes. And so like they'll surrender, they say they surrender everything to him. But then when he tries to take it, they're like, uh, maybe not. Let me, let me sit with it for a little and while. I feel like that's, and then I'll see if I want to give it to you for real. I feel like that's a big issue between pastors, kids or preachers, kids is that they do each other wrong. And, Let's be honest, everybody, I mean, for the most part, I would say, unless you are a perfect saint, you have blackmail on somebody. Yes. And between pastors and preachers, kids, it's very, very common, mm-hmm. you know, like they've hurt you or their dads hurt each other or whatnot emotionally. And it's very easy to hold on to those things and use it against them, even though we may not we want may not to tell, we other, not people tell other people even. or just do it on purpose. It's just the fact that we still hold on to that shattered piece of that glass. Mm-hmm. And we grip it and it ends up hurting us. It ends up cutting us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say, so I think some of the advice I give to preachers could work for preachers kids too. Um, the first thing I tell preachers is along the lines of the throne, uh, stone throwing. And that is when people ridicule, criticize, throw stones, remember they don't understand all the work that went behind all the things you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Some people will criticize and say, yeah, well, it's easy for you. When you're driving that nice car and you have a nice house and you got money and the church is supporting you or whatever it may be. And they don't realize all the work that it took to get there. Mm -hmm. They didn't see the many hours where you're struggling, where you were driving the jalopy, when you were, you know, doing whatever you had to do to get to that point of, uh... of success. And they didn't see that. Oh, you have nice suits and you preach great sermons, but you don't understand my problems. And they don't realize, you don't know all the problems and issues I went through to get to where I am. It'd be like ridiculing a millionaire for going and buying, you know, 
a Bugatti or something. Yeah. When you haven't seen all the work he's gotten to. Because, oh, that guy just buys nice cars every other week. Well, you haven't seen the, all the work he got to to get all that money to be sure. able to afford that nice car. Don't be know. resentful or have jealousy over somebody else's anointing. Because yeah. you don't know what God had to put them through for them to get there. Right. You don't know That's the good. hurts. You don't know the sorrow. You don't know anything about their life. You've never been. A, a, you'll never, ever be in their shoes. That's and true. so... You know, when a man of God or just even a preacher's family that is well-respected or looked highly upon, I mean, think about what God had to put them through as a family and even just the kids. Like, yeah. ministry and being in ministry doesn't just play on the fair, the parents. It plays on the kids. Yeah. And it great, plays on the family. It plays on everybody in that family. Every great ministry went through a wilderness. Yes. And some of yeah. them, even before they were in church, like if you look at people like Brother Booker, where he came from, he had to go through all that. You know, and that guy you were saying in your book you were reading the other day, mm -hmm. all the stuff he had to go through before he was in church. Yeah. The other piece of advice I give, and I think this could help young people too, is that um, you got to prepare, be prepared for heartbreak. Um, if you're a pastor, you just got to know that you're not going to have 100% retention rate. That's you're going to win a thousand people to the Lord over your ministry, and your church may only have 300. Uh, when you're all said and done, when you retire, that may be the case. And you got to understand that means that 700 people turned their back on you, the, used you and abused you. There might've been the odd person that came in, got saved and left and nothing ever happened. But what about the, all the ones that you put days, hours, weeks, months, maybe even years of time into and watch them turn their back on you? Yeah. Um, the people that you poured out money and time and effort and sacrifice time with maybe even your family to help them. And then they turn around and go behind your back or do things they shouldn't. That is all heartbreak. And it's inevitable. There's We're dealing with humanity. So, hundred percent. That's, I mean, I feel like that goes back to what I had initially said is for you to stay soft and, you know, be willing to be hurt because it's bound to happen and you can't, yeah. you can't escape from it. You are dealing with people and human beings that unfortunately sometimes all they know how to do to handle their emotions is to be hurtful yep and that's the problem you. with people saying that oh this church is full of hypocrites exactly that's why we're at church if it's like if the church was full of perfect people there'd be no need to have church then right. because <clears throat> right you know because that's literally the point it's like you're not there's not going to be a bunch of healthy people in the hospital Right. That'd be like going in the hospital saying, there's so many sick people with cancer and stuff here. Really? Well, that's that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss a few fun aspects about uh, some of our experiences mm -hmm. from a preacher's perspective and preacher's kids, some of the fun things we've gotten to do because we were in ministry. So we'll talk about that next. Okay, we're back and we don't have a whole lot more time, but what we're going to do is I'd like to hear um, a little bit of the fun stuff. So I'll start so you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about, but uh, there are some benefits to being in ministry. Um, and I think that that's one of the things I, I really enjoy um, 
And people sometimes will look at the benefits of ministry and go, wow, why did they get special treatment? And I'll, again, we'll reiterate, it's because there's a lot of sacrifice that's put in our part. So when we get a something special or when something is done for us that's better or seems, you know, like a benefit, it's because there's a lot of work and sacrifice that goes on behind the scenes people don't know about. Um, you know, a 30-minute sermon might take anywhere from 10 to 20 hours of study time multiple hours of prayer, maybe even multiple days of fasting just for one 30 minute sermon. You get the benefits of hearing the message, but I put in, you know, weeks, days, hours, uh, just to get that one sermon. So people don't see all of that. So for me, the benefit, one of the benefits I really enjoy is when, um, churches as a, as an evangelist, a church or a conference really goes out of their way to honor ministry, Mm -hmm. you know, having, special areas for us to eat or uh honoring us with different meals or uh supplying supplying something that that just honors us some special event that's kind of honorary or honoring the um the ministry those type of things are fun they're interesting and uh i I, they were uncomfortable when i first started in ministry but they're they're so much more um enjoyable now I, yeah, I was going to say, when you first start, like, it feels so weird. I mean, it's awkward. Like, people, I was going to say, it feels like you're, like, everyone's treating you like a, like a royalty or something. And you're over here, like, no, you know, I can go get it myself. You know, whatever. Like, there's been people, would you like some more of this? And you're, like, sure. I guess. <laughs> like, I mean, you feel like you're being, like, a extra almost like yeah. you're being so from ordered. a from a preacher's kid perspective what's something that you felt that you were like hmm that's kind of cool that most kids don't get not everybody gets that but preacher's kids get that benefit that you've really enjoyed or think you know is cool like a i don't know what you mean by what do you classify as a benefit anything that um, that you didn't have access or privilege to before you were we were in ministry anything i don't know I don't, I don't feel like there's very much. I, okay. I Personally, I would say I, it's not so much so like the benefits or like yeah, the stuff like, we get. It's not like some. Like, I mean, it's not like they make me like a VIP card. It's not like they make me a personal basket, you know, a full nice, size basket. I mean, that'd be nice. But <laughs> um, I, I find it super great when, you know, like the pastor and the pastor's kids of that church come out of their way to talk to you. I mean, this, this has happened to me frequently where they come out of their way to talk to you and inter- to introduce themselves to you and they befriend you, you know, it makes you feel, or like I just, even the saints all come up and I would say, say it makes nice. you feel welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't make uh, the tasks so difficult of being out in ministry or evangelizing when everybody's welcoming. So I wouldn't say it's so much so like the, phys- the, sorry, the, uh, Material. the materialistic benefits but more of like the emotional benefits i guess yeah. like a lot of times like we go to conferences that we've never been to um or like my dad will preach for somebody and i've met good friends or good people in that church mm-hmm. and i mean the only reason i did is because my dad was asked yeah. to go preach. returning friends is that's i guess that's a benefit well here's one thing i saw that i thought was cool when pastors go out of their way to treat the the evangelist kids special We've had a couple of occasions where, you know, at the end of our time there, the evangelist gets a check mm-hmm. and they go on their way. But there's been a few times, and I think this is cool, where the the pastor and his family will actually give the kids money to separate. 
um, sometimes in their own little envelope, make them feel special, like they got something out of this mm-hmm. too, because they really do sacrifice things that people don't see on the on the front forefront. And they think it's all about the guy that stands up there and preaches, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that kids are involved in, and for them to get a little bit of something, even if it's not a lot. Some some people just twenty bucks, some people it's a hundred bucks, some people it's fifty, whatever it might be. But just going out of your way to say, hey, that we thought about you too. I think that that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would um, definitely like, I feel like I'd add to that, that a lot. I like when they take interest in the pastor's kids. Yeah. like Because, they... I mean, just the little stuff, I don't know, mm-hmm. even just taking you out to do your favorite thing mm-hmm. while you're there. Or, or like mm-hmm. um, a if, while what... back, we had my brother, They he had told some of the people he was interested in like pocket knives and stuff. And so... Um, some of the like the pastor's son made like this ninja star for Julian and another guy gave him a pocket knife and stuff like just little stuff like that where they listen to what you actually say and then they, they like, paid attention to yes. what your interests and are. And they try to be nice and like give you little things or just I like, mean ask you more about that or whatever. I feel like we're I personally have seen it most common is like out in California. We've stayed with a lot of like preachers' families from the church that we were ministering mm-hmm. at and they just like completely like indulge themselves in what the kids like that's from like food to just their hobbies like whether it's shopping or four-wheeling you know or just ties or suits or whatever they'll make sure that you know they'll take you to those places yeah get it for you it's nice because it feels like somebody's like paying attention i mean it just feels like somebody's care caring for you even if it's a 60 year old middle-aged couple it's it's very sweet all right well that's about all we have for today uh, to close this out, um, after deliberation, we're going to just go ahead and give um, access to an Instagram handle. Give us your Instagram handle, Tamara. It is T-A-M-A-R-A and then L-L-O-P-E-Z. So Tamara Lila Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Get, give her a follow. Let's see. And if you are a new follower because of Breaking the Box, go down in the comments of her last photo and just put breaking the box follower. Just just spam my comment section yeah. with breaking the box. <laughs> that way we could see how many people uh, actually, actually jump on and go ahead and do that. They're if you're already a follower, <laughs> if you're already a follower, go ahead and say, I would have followed you by doing hashtag breaking the box in the comment section of one of her photos. Just to kind of give us some, and for the uh, secret identity thing, we're gonna have to keep we'll have you. We'll to save that for next time. We'll have to keep the kingdom speakers guessing. <laughs> we'll just say that. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Thank you for tuning in. We're wonderful to have Tamara Lopez with us, yes. and we are looking forward to the next time we can have a preacher's kid, maybe a part three. Maybe. God bless. Thanks, guys. We're breaking the box.